0: As we get ready for this morning's message, you go to the Lord in prayer with me. Lord, we thank you that we get to gather and we get to worship you. And Father, that's our heart's desires, that we would draw nearer to you, that we would have our eyes more on you than on this world. And so, Father, I just pray that you would allow us to to grow in your word, to grow in your Holy Spirit's uh, movement in our lives and obedience to you, Father. Father, I lift up also to you the needs of this church. You know the needs and the, those that walked in with burdens and stress and anxiety in their plate. I pray that you would just minister to them, Lord. We lift it up in this community, the family of Corey Bruce, that would you comfort them and strengthen them and be their strength right now and use us to be a light in their lives. I pray, Father, for, for Shirley Jance as she's in rehab right now and she's doing well. And I pray you continue to strengthen her and let her body just rebuild, Father. I also pray, for marriages and relationships and just hardship there, Lord, and would you just encourage those that need encouragement and and speak into those marriages that need uh, your relationship to build into them your love, Lord. Lord, I do lift up Avery Rice to you and just the pain she's been having in her ear. I pray, Father, you just heal her from that and strengthen her and uh, restore her body. And, and Lord, I pray for us as a church body too. I pray, Father, for uh, even uh, our finances, Lord, that you would just bless and encourage uh, what we have to give and to be used for your glory, for your namesake, Father, that you would just uh, be enough and all that we need is founded in you. So, Father, be our stronghold there and we just lift up that area to your, to your, to your ears, Lord. Father, thank you. You for growing us. Thank you for stretching us, uh, shape us and mold us to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, pull them out. We're going to be uh, in the book of James uh, for the next couple weeks, and uh, we're going to kind of dig into James and. Uh, If you're struggling to find it, you just kind of get your cup of coffee at Hebrews and uh, make it on over to James. It's right after it, and uh, we're going to kind of dive into the first chapter this morning, Um, chapter 1. We're going to kind of look at verses 1 through 18. If you have your Bibles, we're going to actually dive in right away here. So uh, we're going to be looking at some difficult, hard times that maybe uh, we know James will be addressing so James chapter 4, uh, I mean chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, I'm going to read for us at the beginning here. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith "...produces steadfastness." Some translations have endurance there. "...and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing." When it says perfect there, the idea is more like the idea of maturity. When you're young, you don't have all the wisdom that when you've gone through some things and you're older, you have a lot more maturity. That's what he's trying to say, that we be more mature in our faith. So a little bit about who James is. Now, there's a lot of James in the Bible. Most scholars agree that this is probably James, the half-brother of Jesus, Something that's kind of interesting, we just got through digging into Acts. Acts actually shows that James, in the first chapter of Acts, talks about James. James, like any brother, probably thought, you know what, I'm not sure my brother's really all that special. I don't really believe in my brother. Yeah, they call him the son of God and all that. And I don't, James didn't, he struggled with that. He didn't really believe until Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection. And James literally believes, then he believes in the lordship of Jesus Christ. So it changed him. And so we see the thing about James is I want you to know he's not trying to uh, contradict scripture in any way. He's really trying to uh, kind of build up Scripture, but he's really talking about Christian living. What does our Christian living look like? And he's going to be a little bit direct. He's going to be pretty bold in James. We're going to see that. Um, And one of the things he says right off the bat, he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a servant, a lot of the the scriptures and the commentaries that I was kind of looking at this last week talks about that word servant there implies that he was in obedience, absolute obedience. So he was being obedient to the Lord. He was obedient to Jesus Christ. He's saying, now I'm under their authority. That's the one that's leading my life. So absolute obedient. He also means he was, uh, that word kind of translates to be a servant. He was humble as a servant of the Lord Jesus. He was now serving under the authority of the Lord and under Jesus Christ. And so he was also talking about being a servant of God. And also it talks about that he was absolutely loyal. He's absolutely loyal to who? Uh, Heavenly Father and to Jesus Christ. That's what he's declaring right off the bat his allegiance. And I pray that that would be true for us. Now I want you to know James's goal, like I said, is not to contradict Scripture, but it's going to deal with this kind of idea of faith and works. And so, one passage that we need to kind of have in the back of our mind as we go through James is found in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. You don't have to go there. You might want to. References here on the screen, but I want you to know this is a good passage for us to have in the back of our mind as we go through. It says, It is by grace, through faith, that you have been saved. It's not from yourselves, but it's a gift of God, not by works, so that nobody can boast. He's talking about works here and and how our faith is lived out, okay? So we're going to be talking a lot about that in James. But the the way we do works, the way we live out our faith should not to be puff ourselves up. It shouldn't make us more prideful or arrogant. It's not for our own glory. He's talking about works here that doesn't puff one up. It's about the results of our faith is how we live it out. It's how we proclaim our faith. And he's really talking about just that we would kind of wrestle with that today. So I wanted you to kind of have that in the back of our minds as we go through that. Paul writes, this is what faith looks like. It's we are saved through grace by faith in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a gift. It's a gift that every one of us can receive. And so we need to keep that in the back of our mind. Now, I want you to know sometimes growth actually happens through hardship and hard times it's not doesn't always happen in spite of hard times it happens actually because of hard times I want to give you just kind of an example about this one show that um, my family kind of all likes to watch I don't know it's one of these shows that we can kind of all sit down and just kind of get into is Shark Tank Okay, anyone else like Shark Tank? There's a bunch of like, you know, things that pop up and there's inventions and you kind of wonder who's gonna kind of bid on it and kind of claim that as their, you know, kind of prize and, you know, look at it. Well, this last week I was watching Shark Tank and there was this man who came on and he he came up with this idea, but he told his story first and he said, you know what, my family went through a horrible time. He was actually kind of a creative guy, but something he did just completely failed, it bombed. He actually had to foreclose his business. He, had, he lost his house. They lost everything. They were financially wiped out. And so their family had to move into this uh, very old rental house. And he said in this old rental house was when he realized all of his drains were clogged. And so he came up with this thing, it was like a strain for a drain, and he just had this idea, and he came on Shark Tank and pitched this idea, didn't even have it designed yet. And Robert said, I want to invest in that, $110,000, he invested in it, he invests in the drain strain, and just three months ago it launched, and already over a half a million units of these have been sold. And so his life has been changed because he went into this hardship, this difficulty, came up with this idea, and it changed his, his, his whole life. And so I want you to know, probably some of you are thinking, okay, that's great for someone on Shark Tank, but I got real problems, right? You know, I got real issues. Maybe you're walking through faith right now and you're like, Lord, where have you been? I've been trying to, i been calling out to you where my faith is struggling right now. Maybe you have marriage issues. You've just been kind of getting at each other, on each other's nerves, or maybe you have financial issues and concerns there. Well, friends, James, you know, wants you to know, he says right off the bat, when you experience hard times. He doesn't say, if you experience hard times. It's almost like it's promised. There's going to be hard times. And our reaction is naturally, hey, God, get me out of this situation. I don't like this hard time. I don't like this difficulty. I don't like what I'm going through right now. Get me out of it as fast as possible. That's kind of our natural gut reaction. And let's just, we can be honest with each other. I think the more we are and the more real we are, God just kind of works his His spirit in our community. So how many of you, I mean, you can raise your hand if you've ever struggled with one of these areas or maybe you've gone through a difficult time. What about, you know, maybe you've just kind of had financial problems. Anyone ever had financial problems? Maybe bills are a little tight. Yeah, maybe inflation is just like, man, this is so high, gas is high. It's just stressing you out, and you're like, where are my finances going to come from? You need a raise from the boss? And it's like, they said, say, no, no, we just don't have that. It's not able to give you a raise. How about a relationship, a marriage issue, you know? Maybe you fought with someone, you've been in a relationship. Everyone, you know, what? we could be honest, we've had those issues, right? You know, your spouse just won't admit you're right you know they just struggle they're like come on you know yeah there's a few testifying to that yeah so you know uh, you know maybe you've had work issues the boss doesn't anyone have work issues the boss just doesn't you know recognize your value to the company and what about health concerns anyone had a health concern and you're just like man this what they're telling me is really tough news or maybe you haven't been feeling well and it's like they can never find out kind of what's wrong and you're like you know something's wrong and you just kind of get frustrated well you know that we all go through hardships and difficulty and trials. And what usually happens is when we go through those trials, um, we start to get kind of confused. God, why are you taking me through this? And then after we get confused, what do we do is we usually get frustrated. We're like, I don't like this. I'm frustrated, right? And then we start thinking, God, I don't think you're good anymore. I'm not sure you're good. Like, if you're good, this hard time, you'd remove it. And that's what I think a lot of us start to think as we go through hard times. And so I I gently want to say this as carefully as possible. You know, um, maybe our problem is we're asking the wrong question. You know, maybe instead of just, God, get me out of this situation, maybe we should probably start asking, God, what do you want me to learn through this? How do you want me to use this trial, this tough situation in my life? And you know, I, I probably, a lot of you woke up today and you're like, I, I, I don't want to hear about tough times. I don't want to trial. I don't want to go to church. Friend, I don't like them either, okay? We're all in the same boat. But the thing is, God has something he wants us to learn. He addressed it through this passage. So, you know, you know one of the things, we can't understand the depth of what somebody's walking through you say, no, you don't, you don't get what I'm walking through. You're right. I don't know exactly what you're walking through and, and the depth of the pain and what you're feeling right now. But I, I do know that James says they were going through some stuff. So let's see what James says they were going through. He says, the 12 tribes in dispersion. So dispersions means they were going through a scattering. So why were they being scattered? Well, the answer is found in Acts. Acts. We just were in Acts. Acts chapter 8, you can go back there and reference it sometime if you want to. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 says this, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Friends, we just went through Acts they were persecuted. People were coming after them. This isn't like, oh, calling them just a little bad name. I mean, the house, the prayer groups in the homes, people were like not wanting to answer the door. People were literally going after the people of the way, the way of Jesus Christ. They were facing incredible persecution. So they were getting scattered all over and going to communities that they didn't even think that they wanted to go to. But in verse four of chapter eight, it says this, those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. So they took that hardship and they got scattered and they went and they all these different communities and they're like, I didn't want to be here. I liked kind of all being together. And they said, oh, well, I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus. And guess what? The gospel went crazy. It went all over and the church expanded. And so God can use those hard times. I think that's what James means when he says, consider it pure joy when you go through trials. Because it pushes us to perseverance, and perseverance takes us sometimes even where we don't want to go. And what that does in our lives is it develops endurance. So I'm going to give you just a couple points today about how to face hard times, and that's the first one. I want you to know we need to pursue endurance, not comfort. I think we live in a culture where comfort is king, isn't it? comfort and convenience, right? We are the microwave society, right? Anyone been in the airport and you just were craving M&Ms and you bought the $6 bag of M&Ms, right? I know some of you have done it too. I've done it too, right? You know, and maybe you're at, you know, you've grabbed that slice of pizza at Quick Trip and you're like, well, wait a second, I could... Bake a whole pizza at home for that price, and you just—that's what we do because it's comfort and convenience. We've all done it, and we—the thing is—is is endurance is something that we don't naturally long for. We don't long—we don't want. We we kind of want the quick and the easy fix, but that's not what we need. We should really choose more like endurance. Um, I got to tell you, and I've probably told you before, in uh, high school I ran cross country. Okay. And for any of you that run, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't. you gotta be a little crazy to enjoy running. It's just it's just not that fun, okay? But the thing is, it does push you and mentally, and it stretches you, and you know, it's good. But the thing is, I did cross-country. My first year I ran cross-country, um, we would go out on like a little mile run, then I would, get, you know, okay, I'm back. And I'm like, okay, I made it through that. Well, the first meet, the, the cross-country meet in high school is five kilometers. That's 3.1 miles, okay? And so the First meet I ever went to was in uh, in um, Emporia. So their high, it was right in their high school, which is right across the highway from, I think it's Dolly Madison, where they make like Twinkies and like Ho-Hos, and I'm like, so that's what you smell the whole time you're running, so that probably didn't help me as well. But I got to tell you, so the race begins, and you line up at the race, and everyone's there, and there's the, kind of this like first little loop where all the parents are at, and they cheer for you, and then there's like this huge, big back loop that like has like two miles, okay, and that you like don't come out of, okay? So you... I, the shotgun goes off and I start sprinting, and I just kind of that first loop, man. I was like, I'm doing pretty good. I was up in the top like seven, eight, you know. I was like, this is pretty great. And I think people were like, go, Bocox. Well, then the back loop came, and I got to tell you, as soon as I got to the back loop, I'm like, I'm done. I am just done. I started walking. I threw up, you know. Um, I got to tell you, I came in like third from last, okay? And I think everybody was like, what happened to Bocock's? Well, it was pretty predictable because I hadn't prepared. I hadn't trained, right? Everybody knew that that's probably how it's going to go if you don't train for endurance. And when we come in hard times, we've got to train. We've got to be ready to spiritually fight against these hard times, to endure them. And that's what God calls us to do, is to build endurance, pursue endurance or steadfastness. And we've got to train to be spiritually fit we got to train to be spiritually obedient to the Lord. we got to train to be spiritually trusting in the Lord. And you know what? It's a slow process. It's not quick. It's not fast. It's hard. And we got to, we got to pursue it in order to grow our obedience. And this culture says what? The culture says it's all about me. That's our world that we live in. It's all about me. Well, I'm telling you, society will tell you it's all about me. But obedience is not about you. It's never about you. It's about growing and what is profitable to the Lord. And that's what we need to consider, what is profitable to God. And so we need to remember, we are not the heroes of our story. So often we want to be the hero of our story. God is the hero. And don't take his place, friend. That's his place. So we should long for more and more and more disconnect with this world and more connection to our Heavenly Father, more connection to the heart of God. That's what we should long for. So how do we do this? I'm going to encourage you to practice disciplines. Practice generosity. When you practice and step up and say, okay, the the church has a need or here's something, let me step up. Well, I'm going to stretch myself. Guess what? It becomes a little bit easier to be generous, but also you realize when you come upon hard times, you're like, God's provided. He's provided before. I know he'll provide again. You have more confidence in God. So we need to also practice, when you practice things like fasting, Practice fasting from like social media or maybe TV or your favorite television show or maybe from like, you know, uh, food. Well, guess what happens when you don't have that show anymore or you, you get away from social media? You realize my dependence is upon God. I don't need some of these things for, you know, how many like buttons I get. I don't need extra food because I, my dependence is upon God. And we also need to practice prayer. And we practice prayer, you know, we're kind of saying, you know, I trust in Jesus, I'm trusting you for in the good times, and the bad times, I'm trusting you. So that's the first thing we need to look at. So what, you know, what should we be asking? Well, James says in the next couple of verses what we should be asking for. So if you have your Bibles, James chapter one, um, verses five through eight, I'm gonna read now. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him who asks in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double minded man, unstable in all his ways. So um, he doesn't ask us to ask for an end of the hard times or trial. He asks us to ask for wisdom in the hard times. So the second thing I want you to encourage you to pursue is pursue wisdom. Pursue wisdom don't try to escape the pain. Pursue what God has for us in the difficulty, in the hardship. And it says there to ask without doubting. What does that look like? Because a lot of us, we have doubts creep in. Well, I'm going to give you an example from Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it or you can turn to it later. Mark chapter 9, there's a man there that brings his son to Jesus and he says, "This my son has been possessed by a spirit and for, a, for a long time now. And so the father's pleading with Jesus, will you heal my son? Will you heal him? So this is first uh, in Mark chapter 9, verse 22 through 24. Jesus, I mean, uh, this dad is kind of saying what this has been looking like in his son and how it's been hard for his son. It says this, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus said, if you can. Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You see, even in those those moments of weakness in our faith, we trust that God can hold us together and that he, you know, he is the true source of all wisdom, and so we cry out to a good God, and that wisdom and that belief help us get through the trials and the hard times that we're going through, not taking them away. They help walk us through those difficulties, and God says, I want you to know his word, and Jeremiah says, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you, And God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and He's crafting you into what He's trying to do. And sometimes He uses these hard, difficult times to craft us into what He wants us to do and become. And so I want you to know uh, most movies, if you went to a movie, usually you go away at the end of a movie and you say, Boy, that movie was awesome. Why? Because it had a great ending. Usually a movie has a good beginning. You forget about the middle and a great ending. And you go away and you're like emotional and you're like, oh, you guys got to go see this. It's powerful. Why was the ending so powerful? It was so powerful because of the boring part or whatever they went through, the hardships they went through in the middle. Well, friends, that, you know, that wisdom from these trials is going to help you gain knowledge and closeness to the Lord that cannot be duplicated other, other ways. Sometimes we have to walk through these difficulties and You know, we, these, these difficulties kind of deepen our walk with the Lord, and these trials teach us. And the Christian life, I want you to know, it's not so much about our achievements, what we do, and our name, and our reputation. The Christian life is really a reminder of how much we need God. Amen? We need God. That's what it's supposed to remind us. That hard time, it reminds us, oh man, I need the Lord. That's what we're called to do. And that leads us to Humility. So we're going to look at this idea in James chapter uh, 2, verses 9 through 12 now. This is what it says. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and in the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trials, for he has stood the test. Uh, He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So here's the deal. We need to pursue, this is the third point, humility. Not our status and our reputation. Pursue humility. Because our status, I think, tempts every one of us you know but the thing is is when this life ends the riches that we've accumulated in this world they're going to come to an end too the things that you know will matter in the end are how much you've made an impact for the generations to come and your faith in the lord jesus christ that's what's going to matter and an attitude of humility reminds us also that we are no better than anyone I am just as broken. We are all just as broken as everyone else in life. And so I want you to know, no perfect job, no perfect boss, no perfect house, no perfect car will compensate for a life of humility. Humility reminds us where everything comes from. Every source of goodness comes from, and that's what it remains. And James is kind of, you know, he's saying, you know what, we should actually take pride in humiliation. That's pretty bold. That's pretty direct there. He says, take pride in your humiliation because I want you to know in the last moments in life, you know, it's not this stuff that we've accumulated, our status, that's not going to give us peace in the Lord. Our faith is going to give us a peace in the Lord. We are not called to live and rely upon ourselves. We should be humble and recognize everything. Everything good comes from God. So I want to close and read the rest of this passage in James chapter one, verse thirteen through eighteen. It says this: um, Let no one say when he is tempted, "I am being tempted by God," for God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. You might want to circle that, our own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, uh, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will he brought forth us uh, brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures and so we see here we are actually lured what by our own desires in other words that means doesn't sin comes naturally it's natural for us it's we don't have to teach anyone how to sin right we just know how to sin And so the thing I want you to know, the last point, is to pursue dependence upon the Lord and that we don't depend upon ourselves. Depend upon the Lord. When things go wrong, what do we want to do? We want to take control. We want to take the wheel, right? That's what we want to do because we think we're the only ones that are trustworthy. We're the only ones that can solve the problem. We're the only ones that can get us out of this. And that actually leads us into more fallenness. Because we're broken and we're naturally sinful. And I want you know our flesh only seeks what will actually hurt us and damage us with the Lord. So we, we shouldn't put our trust in ourselves, we need to put our trust in the Lord. Uh, anyone like to drive? And sometimes in families, there's one driver. You know, I like to be the driver, okay? I like to drive. Um, I'm not sure my wife likes me to drive, okay? Just going to be honest about that, okay? Um, I think I'm a pretty good driver. But I want you to know, there is one turn in this town, um, and it's out here as we come into town, there's a Pawnee Road. But the the, the Pawnee Road has like a, it's not just a straight 90 degree angle. It's more of like this, okay? So you actually have to kind of turn back to get onto the road. Well, you know, every time we go to make that turn, my wife will say everyone hold on to everything. Can you not slow down, you know? And I'll be like, I'm trying to slow down. I'll take that turn and all the, you know, she, everyone's holding on to their food and their drinks and everything like that. And you know, I think I'm a pretty good driver, but here's the truth. My perception of my driving might be a little better than the actual reality of my driving. I'm just admitting it, okay? You know, but that might be true for you as well. You might think you're really good at something, but in actual reality, we're maybe not as good as we think we are. You know what? We weren't meant to rely upon our own abilities. We're just not. We were designed to depend upon the Father. And as we go through life, as you go through tough times, we should see a greater and greater disconnect from this world, and we should rely more and more On the Lord Jesus. Because why? James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. God is the one who gives perfect gifts. God is the one who gives good gifts. And when you rely upon yourself and you put, help me, I'm just gonna get out of this situation by myself. We dig a bigger hole. It leads to sin, which leads to death. But when we rely upon the Father, it leads to life friends. So how do we get through hard times? The answer is we go through the hard times, but we go through them not alone. Maybe the different questions, as I talked about, maybe we're asking the wrong questions. Maybe really the question is, is what do you want me, to, my, my faith to get out of this as I'm walking through this hard time? And God, what are you slowly doing in me? What are you working in me? And how, how you come out of that hard times will determine What God is crafting and designing and working in you. God has a purpose. I want you to know this. God has a purpose for your life. He loves you, He knows you intimately. He has a design for your life, and He's crafting and working that purpose in you. So, the question a lot of us would ask is, What's in it for me? So, if you're asking that question today, I want you to know what's in it for you is life, true life, life in abundance. Friend, there's, there's, there's contentment. When you're going through a hard time, you can still be, God will provide, I'm content with what he's given. I don't need that new thing. There's contentment. In the storm, when it feels like it's raging, there can be a peace. How are you living through that storm right now? Because God, because of my heavenly father, right? And there can even in hard times and those sorrows come up, there can be joy, because of what God is doing in us. So friends, keep your eyes on the Lord. More than this world, keep your eyes looking up to the Lord. And I want you to know, this is a a hymn that maybe you've all heard. I love this hymn. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. It says, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. May that be true for us. Yes, may we focus on his glory and grace and this things of this world would lose more and more of our eyesight and we would just be seeing Jesus. Friend, may that get us through those hard times. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Even for hard times. Even for difficulty and pain, Lord, may we experience joy, and not just happiness, but joy that comes from our salvation, of being in relationship with the Heavenly Father that loves us and has a purpose and design for us. May we trust you that you will carry us through those times, but Lord, would you give us wisdom, wisdom to know, to to lean on you, to to practice how to, to, to be close to you and draw on your power and your might in our lives. And Lord, may we just experience your power even in those hard times, change us, mold us more into your image, even using difficult times in our lives. God, for those that are going through hard times right now, that we're just thinking about, I'm kind of done, I'm giving up on you. Lord, may they just recommit their life to you. May they surrender to you. May there be power as they just trust you today, that God, you've got to work for them and uh, and you're using them and, and care for them right now. May they sense your love and power this morning. Oh Lord, we love you. You're so good to us. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we cannot say thank you enough. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.